it's not going to be too crazy, guys. Just like um, Sherry said, you know, get out of your comfort zone, but they're not too crazy. <laughs> I was, as, as, as Sherry was talking, my youngest Manny, he leans over me and goes, Dad, I don't have a comfort zone. I was like, I love this kid, man. I love him. He's like, what is she talking about? Comfort zone? Step out of the comfort zone? I don't have a comfort zone. I said, that's because you're a child. And uh, it's, 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 it's interesting huh? how, how he, he hasn't felt what we felt. He hasn't gone through all the different things we've gone through, the disappointments, the challenges. And yet, you know, I hope he keeps that, don't you? I hope he keeps that kind of energy. Um, and one of the tests, I think, is if you can dance in public. It's one of the tests, I think, of getting out of your comfort zone. Um, and Manny can do that on command. Uh, we had a dance-off. One of his friends came over, and uh, they had me judge them, which is a tough position to be in because one of the kids is great. You know, he's dancing really good and trying to do these breakdancing things. And then Manny, he's got it all prepared ahead of time. He's a really good dancer, and he starts going. He's just feeling all this stuff and doing all this. He's doing, he put ballet, jazz, hip-hop, and tap dancing into this one thing. And they both looked at me and said, who won? <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, a million things are going through my mind. Well, if I say my son won, that's favoritism. But he actually, in fact, did win. And if I say, if I lie, then, then is that good? And I said, well, why don't we just say it was, you know, we just, you know, you guys both did great. No, we want to know who won. Of course. And I'm like, Manny won. And then this kid was like, ah! Started crying and crying. And I was like, I should have said it was a tie. But um, now I have the song... Um, I am a gummy bear, and there's a gummy bear in my head forever. And uh, so pray for me, guys. Pray for me that I can get it out of my mind. Um, it's a great song. It's just at 2 o'clock in the morning, it's not a great song. So um, I'm hoping that Jesse helps me with the Let the Light Shine Down. He's going to ho- help me with that. That's the song we're going to sing at the end of Sermons. I'm going to just, that, let the light shine down. I'm going to get that in my head. Amen. And then um, that'll be great. Well, let's turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 2. And that's where we're going to be today. Um, today is called Fresh Vision. And we're also going to have a time of stillness and prayer in this sermon, which I hope will help you. So it's not that uncomfortable, guys. I mean, all of us know... Somewhat how to be still, uh, do we? Or maybe we don't. I mean, I'm still learning, to be honest. And, uh, and most of us pray together. But if you feel uncomfortable praying with someone else, don't worry. Maybe you can just listen to their prayer. If you feel like praying, you know, there's no wrong way to pray, guys. I remember my first prayer was, hey, God, this is Glenn. It was hilarious thinking about my first prayer, you know, in front of the brothers. Hey, 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 God, this is Glenn. Uh, I know we haven't talked much. 
And that's how I jumped into my prayer. Um, like God didn't know who I was. And uh, that was a funny start to my prayer. But, you know, it helped me get into it. Um, so however you want to start. But today we're going to talk about Simeon, a man named Simeon and Anna. And, uh, you know, we're kind of ending our good news it's not ending. We're going to continue to talk about good news. But we're, uh, we're ending with, with Simeon and Anna, who were amazing people who were inspired by Jesus, uh, by the baby Jesus. And today is called Fresh Vision, Anna and Simeon. And they're going to really do a great job inspiring us uh, from their lives. But um, before we jump into that, I want us to think about something for a second. How was your last year, 2018? How did it go for you? And I think it's important just to think about that. Because sometimes like we can live, with, live life kind of on autopilot. And it can be just the next thing, right? We got to get to the next thing. And for us to think, well, how did it go last year for you personally, spiritually, uh, emotionally, Maybe it was a great year. Maybe it was uh, an awesome year. Maybe it was challenging. It probably, for most of us, was both, right? And I remember uh, I'm a different Glenn than I was in January 2018 than I am now in December. I really feel different. Maybe you go, you didn't change much at all. I feel different inside. And I prayed that God would give me the best year ever. And he and I had all these thoughts and I these prayers that I wanted to see answered, and God didn't answer any of them. Amen. But he made that he he I feel like it's been the best year ever. Which is wild, huh? That God would just laugh at my plans. People say, you know, man plans, God laughs. And it's true. And I, I, I want you to just think about. You know, one of the things I've been just praying is every year to pray that to God. God, I don't know what this year is going to be, but I pray it's the best year ever. And I believe every year can be the best year because, because we're getting closer to our, to our God. And, and we're becoming more like Jesus. And I believe that's the test of a great year. Did you become more like Jesus? Did you get to understand God in a greater way? Did you feel... Do you feel closer to God than you did starting 2018? And if the answer is yes, you had a great year, no matter what happened. And I think about Katie. I mean, she's nodding her head. I think about Katie. Katie has grown to be an amazing spiritual woman. She already was a spiritual woman, but, man, she's grown so much this last year to get up and, and sh- bathe us in Scripture when she shared. Um, none of the answers to prayers happened. But it's been a year of transformation for me. And I hope it's been there for you. Um, my dreams came true. It just they, they didn't come true the way I wanted to them. I'd say this. My theology grew in a tremendous ways. Just how I think about God. How I think about this world. How I think about my understanding of the world. As a preacher, that's pretty important. As a disciple, that's really important. What's our role in the world? Um, my mission has matured. Just what I'm doing here has matured. Um, my marriage has flourished. But we've had some serious fights. And it's been mostly my fault. You go, well, the preacher just said he got into fights with his wife. Yes. 
Now, we were not yelling, but, but it was hurtful. And I made my wife cry several times this year in a, in a traumatic way. And yet, good things came from it. I changed. I grew. I've also loved this woman so much more. I'm more in love than ever before. My marriage has flourished because the honesty has grown. The honesty has grown in our marriage. Uh, and my humility has grown. I, I, I'm scared to say that out loud. But I've been humbled, so my humility, I think, has been growing from that. I listen to my wife more. Amen. Um, my relationship with my boys have grown a ton, you know? Um, my peace has increased, really. You know, people say, you know, increase the peace. I've, my peace has increased. My love for others have grown. And one of the things that's really helped me is I'm learning to live in the present. And you might go, what is this Fruit Loop talking about? But I'm learning to live in the present. And I'm learning how much I live in the future. We either live in the present, the past, or the future. Amen? Where do you live? That's a great question to ask yourself. We're going to talk about that today a little bit. Because Anna, I believe, was one person in Scripture that lived in the present more than anyone else. She, had, she, she could have been tempted to live in the past. We'll talk a little bit about that. But I want to take two minutes right now, and I want us to be still. And I don't know how good you are being still. I'm still learning. But this scripture says, God says, I said he says, be still and know that I am God. This is a profound scripture. I don't believe you can truly know God without being still. You can't know God by running around crazy. The prophets didn't know God that way. Jesus went into a desert for 40 days. That's how he grew to know God more. You know, our prayer times and our, and our worship times, if we're, our heads are busy, amen, we cannot hear God. Um, if you have a little tab, keep it on Luke 2. But go to 1 Kings chapter 19. I wanted to look at the scripture with this a little bit. And then we'll do a quick exercise. And the, the sermon is rather short, I'm sorry. I know you want your money's worth, but uh, I'll try to do my best to do it in a great way. Um, but I, I think it's important that we all interact, amen? That service is a time of worship, a time of prayer, that you come out with fresh vision. You know, and, and, and this is an exercise that we can do at our, at our, on our own time that I want to encourage us to do that's been helping me a ton. Psalm 46 uh, talks about be still and know I'm God. 1 Kings chapter 19. Um, Elijah is super discouraged. And I don't know if you're super discouraged now, but you're not as discouraged as Elijah. Elijah was in a desert right now. He just did something amazing. I want to say this. He took on hundreds of false prophets and beat them. God answered his prayer. So that's awesome. Fire came from heaven and just licked up all the water and, and burnt the sacrifice in front of them all. And 
He ran faster than the chariot. That's the craziest part of that scripture in Psalm, 1 Kings 18. He just started booking it, you know, and he outran the chariot and rain came that day. What a great day. Now, sometimes when you have victory like that, it's so overwhelming. He was thinking, surely, surely the people are going to turn back to God and they did it. They didn't turn back one bit. In fact, they wanted to kill him. And that's what I think discouraged him the most. He had these expectations in the future that weren't met. And it discouraged him. And that's what happens to us. We have these expectations. Oh, surely this person will react like this. And it doesn't happen. And then hope deferred makes the heart sick. Does that happen to you sometimes? You know, maybe he thought, this person will surely like this gift. And they look at it and go, oh, thanks. You're like, oh, man. You know, but even some bigger things. But I want to talk about how God can only be heard through the whisper. Now, you can't hear a whisper if you're loud and you're running around everywhere. A whisper. That's how God speaks to us. God speaks to us in a whisper. He doesn't speak to us in an earthquake. He doesn't speak to us in a violent wind. He speaks to us in a whisper. And I believe this has to do with us a lot. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart. Imagine seeing that. Shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came, a gentle whisper. What's a gentle whisper? Elijah. That's a gentle whisper. Jeremy. Daniel. You have to be still. You have to shut off the phone, to shut off your brain, and you have to be present with God. And even now, I, I, I know it's uncomfortable. But I, I, I think to get fresh vision, you have to be still. It's funny, having a newborn, when Manny was born, I heard God so much because I had to be still and feed the baby. You can't really do much when you're feeding a baby in the middle of the night. And I would pray and I would listen to God. And he spoke to me that gentle whisper. I was also oblivious and, and super tired, and so maybe some other things. I was in an altered state of mind, so God was working, but I had to be still. And so for those that have newborns, I want to encourage you, God can still speak to you in a great way. Amen. Amen. We have a lot of those now. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood in the mountain of the mouth of the cave. And so do I think God's going to speak to you in these next two minutes? I don't know. But I want us to be still. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, who is God? A question. Okay? I want us to ask a question. And so I'm going to read a scripture. And then I'm going to just kind of take us through one minute of kind of getting us there. And then for two minutes, we're just going to be still. 
And I love, you know, the movie theaters. It says, silence is golden. And silence is uncomfortable for me. I don't know if it's for you, but, but, but let's try to be still. Because then we're going to pray after. So we're going to pray after about what we heard God say to us. And maybe you're going to say, God didn't say anything to me. But I look forward to hearing you later. So why don't you close your eyes. And I want you to think about what God is calling you to or for in 2019. Maybe even right now. Take a deep breath. What is God calling you to do to be closer to him? How can you know God in a way that can give you endless joy, no matter what the circumstances? What is God calling you for service with? The king rejoices in your strength, Lord. How great is his joy in the victories you give. 
you granted him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. You came to greet him with rich blessings and placed a pure crown of gold on his head. He asked you for life and you gave it to him, length of days, forever and ever. Through the victories you gave, his glory is great. You've bestowed on him splendor and majesty. Surely you have granted him unending blessings and made him glad with the joy, the joy of your presence. <clears throat> For the king trusts in the Lord through the unfailing love of the Most High. He will not be shaken. You can open your eyes now, guys. Maybe you're a little tired. Sometimes I fall asleep when I do this exercise. It's okay. Maybe that's what God wants you to just go to sleep. You need to sleep. Go to sleep, you know? That's good, too, you know? He speaks to us in many ways. Now, I want you, if you have a phone or a piece of paper, I want you just to write down what you heard. And you could just put nothing if you didn't hear anything. I felt very uncomfortable doing this exercise. I don't want you to judge. I just want you to write down what he said. And I'll tell you what he was saying to me. He was telling me that I should, one of the ways we get closer to God is by confessing our sins and being open with others. It brings refreshment. That's one of the things he said to me, to tell, to say out loud. He also said, To not judge what the Spirit says yet. Write it down. What's the Spirit saying to you? What's God's Spirit moving you toward? Amen. Well, you guys can keep writing as we, we go, but we're going to jump into the message right now. And the message is uh, on these two people, Simeon, Simeon and um, Anna. We'll start with Simeon. Let's go back to Luke 2. One of the things that I'm going to try to do is meditate and be still for 10 minutes a day. So we'll start with five minutes. Then I'm going to get it to 10 minutes. And I'm going to use everything possible to stay still for 10 minutes. Um, and I'm just going to see what God does. You know, that's one of the things I want to do. Just take, take some time and be still. And meditate on a scripture or maybe just be still. But I tell you what, these two people, Simeon and Anna, they knew how to be still. They knew how to listen to God's spirit. And so 
if we want fresh vision, a lot of times we think about someone who's inspirational and amazing, right? I mean, those people are pretty cool. People that inspire you to have fresh vision, that believe in you. But that can also be shallow because it's someone else putting vision on you. It's something different when it comes inside of you, out of the Holy Spirit. We know when we all were baptized, you received God's gift of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever thought about what that means, the gift of the Holy Spirit? What is the gift? What's the gift? Are you, are you partaking in the gift of the Holy Spirit? It's a great question. I would say sometimes I'm not partaking in the Holy Spirit gift. <coughs> Do I even know what the gift of the Holy Spirit is? I mean, that's a whole study in itself that we should study out in a, another time. But I believe that first and foremost, it is deposit guaranteeing our inheritance to heaven. Ephesians 1. That's fired up. You're guaranteed to go to heaven if you've been a repentant, baptized disciple of Jesus Christ. And that's why I say, get in the water as soon as you can because you're going to get the gift of the Holy Spirit. The inheritance, guaranteeing our salvation. Another thing is, someone once said it, it convicts us, as John says, of judgment to come and sin. And it's like a conscience times ten. I can't explain it, but when I got baptized, I, I got this kind of voice that wasn't a judgmental voice. It was a gentle, loving voice that said, what you're doing isn't right, Glenn. Mm, yeah. You need to talk to someone about this. Mm-hmm. And I can't explain it, but it was like I had my conscience grew to be more like God's righteous conscience and Holy Spirit. It also moved me sometimes to share my faith. It sometimes moved me to talk to that brother or sister. It it moved me to do things that I wouldn't have done on my own. You know, I would like, yeah, that's an uncomfortable conversation. No, I'll thank you very much. I'm not going to do that. But the Holy Spirit said, Jesus would have that conversation. Okay, thank you very much. I'm going to go have that conversation. Sometimes I hear deny yourself in very clear words (laughs) when I don't want to do something. Sometimes I hear be patient, Glenn, when I don't want to be patient. And I think that's the Holy Spirit. It guides us to all truth. Amen. And then there are times when I read God's word, I can't explain it, where my heart is on fire. Mm -hmm. And I can't explain why this book put my heart on fire so we need to think about the gift of the holy spirit more and how wonderful it is for us all luke 2 verse 22 uh we're going to read this amazing story jesus is born um i'm not quite sure the timing of it all but i know he was circumcised this is not the eighth day this is later Possibly a year later, possibly two years later. Is it pre-Egypt or after Egypt? I don't know. The Bible doesn't clearly say. I was trying to figure that out. I couldn't figure it out. But it was a time when, in my thought, maybe they came back from Egypt because what are they doing at the temple all open? My thought is it's after Egypt. And so they come back to Egypt, and the law says that every firstborn child needs to be uh, offered to the Lord. Not in a way that, you know, like sacrifice, but 
A sacrifice is meant to be given. And, and the Bible says that, that that person, that family, needs to bring a lamb, unblemished, to represent what this amazing thing. God gave you that firstborn. You know, Joshua was my firstborn. It was a very special time. You know, Luke was born. Uh, uh, the Owens are grandparents, and Brandon's an uncle. You know, Luke is the firstborn, right? Uh, and, and it's amazing. And, and that's a special thing. And God has allowed us to have that firstborn. And he says, if you're not able to give a lamb, a one-year-old lamb, I wonder if the law says you should be there, bring the one-year-old child and bring the one-year-old lamb. That might be what kind of was happening here. I'm not quite sure because we don't know the timing of it all. But it says, if you're not able to, I love the Lord, if you're, if you're not able to financially do that, Bring two pigeons. Amen? And I thought about, wow, what, two pigeons. First of all, how do you catch two pigeons? <laughs> I'm sure you grow these pigeons, but pigeons, how much did they cost? They didn't cost as much of a lamb. We also know that Jesus' family was poor. Even though they received the gold, they probably used it up in Egypt. And they were poor. This is what it says here. And so you can relate to Jesus. Maybe your family can relate to Jesus. In that perspective, is that, you know, could you bring a lamb or would you bring the two pigeons? But both were sacrifices, amen? And in verse 22, it says, When the time came for the purification required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus uh, to do for him what the custom of the law required... Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, you have promised you may now dismiss, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the rising, cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your soul too. This is some freaky stuff right here. Imagine you have a newborn baby. You're at church. And I just grab, you don't know this dude, Simeon. He just grabs the child from you. Hey, hey, what are you doing? And he just looks at the child. He's like, sovereign Lord. And he just starts praying. You're like, okay. He's a God-fearing guy. Appreciate that. I mean, he's not stealing my baby, you know. But that's some wild stuff. He just grabbed the child, you know. And, and I don't know what the customs were like. I don't think grabbing a newborn child is ever really... A part of the customs of anything. Honestly, I don't know. I can't see it. Hey, stranger, pick up your child. 
you know, there's people that do that sometimes. Hey, can I pick up your child? And, you know, it's a newborn. You're like, my first, I was like, sure. You know, don't drop them. You know, you kind of be careful. Now the third, you're like, sure. You know, but, but this is the firstborn. So you're kind of feeling a little like there's a lot of scary things happening. Is, 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 is this someone who's trying to take my baby because of Herod and what he said? And yet Mary was able to trust in what happened. This, sim- this man, Simeon, was moved by the Holy Spirit, and he starts praying here. He was an old man. He was about to die. People think, some historians think he was 100 years old, like over 100 years old. I don't know, right? But he was old, the Bible says. He was about to be dismissed, the Bible says. It says that God had revealed to him that he would see the Lord's Messiah before he died. That's pretty cool, huh? And he looks at the baby, this baby, by the way, and he says, my eyes have seen your salvation. That's amazing. How is this little baby going to save anyone? Simeon understood something through the Holy Spirit that, that we need to understand. That Jesus is our salvation. He is the name in which all men will be saved. The only name. He says, which you've prepared in the sight of all the nations, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles. This was a Hebrew man saying that the Gentiles would hear, talk about fresh vision. No person thought about this. This was totally radical to say that the Gentiles would get revelation from Jesus Christ. In fact, when Jesus said that in Luke 4, he suggested that the Gentiles would be God's people too. He was almost thrown off a cliff. This is radical, radical, radical. Most of us are Gentiles in here. Simeon was right. It was unheard of to share your faith with Gentiles. It was unheard of to to give revelation to the Gentiles, the uncircumcised heathens that, that they were in their minds. But Simeon was right and will be the glory for people Israel. Simeon then looks at Mary. Interesting. Looks at Mary, not at Joseph, but looks at Mary. Think about that. He knew Joseph was not going to be there. This guy, Simeon, was full of the Holy Spirit. This guy, Simeon, dropped knowledge that not even the disciples understood until later. He says, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many. Now, I don't know if this is powerful for you, but this is super powerful for me. Think about this for a second. You cannot meet Jesus and just be the same. You can't. You either fall or rise when you hear the gospel. You have to make a decision about Jesus. People think, oh, I love God. Yeah, God's awesome. But when Jesus comes in your face, you have to make a decision. And that's what Jesus does. You know, you say, I believe in God in a group of people. Most people go, oh, that's cool. You have one atheist that says, maybe I don't believe, but there's no confrontation. But if you say Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, no one comes to the Father except through him, you're going to get some, some looks. Jesus divides households. 
He divides people. And they're in two categories. The ones that will fall and the ones that will rise. And that's what this child did. He was crucified in the end by the most religious, holy people in that nation. I read a, a, a sermon. You can do that. Charles Spurgeon wrote a sermon just on this passage of Scripture. Whoa. He says, when Jesus meets you on the road, you're never the same. You can't go around him. Jesus is like oxygen. You either breathe him in or you die. It's like food. You either eat the food, the bread of life, or you die. You either fall or you rise. He's the chief cornerstone in whom people who fall and humble themselves will be blessed. Or they will be crushed by that cornerstone. Powerful, isn't it? That this man, Simeon, said all that. And then he looked at Mary and said all this. Not to Joseph. Joseph, you're amazing. You're, but, you're, but Mary's going to feel it the most. She's going to see the cross. A sword will pierce your soul. Well, that's encouraging. That's like on any other blessing you've ever heard, right? That's how he ends. Thanks, Simeon. Well, that guy said some things. That's not the end of the vision. You know, one of the things I want to say is to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we have to imitate what Simeon was like. He was righteous. The Bible says he was righteous. Relationally right with God. If you're not relationally right with God, you can't get revelation. Amen? He was devout. I looked up what that word meant. I thought, oh, I know what devout means. I don't know what devout means. It's like one of those words, like, what's that mean? The dictionary said, totally committed to the cause of Christ or cause or belief or something. Am I totally committed like Simeon was? Are you totally committed? Are you in a right relationship with God? Are you totally committed like he was? You know, if you're not totally committed, you're not going to be moved by the Holy Spirit. You got to be totally committed. You know, we want the vision. We want the inspiration. But sometimes we don't want to commit. Let, make the, let, the, let this year be like Simeon. And he was waiting on God. I love that. That's the hardest part. Waiting on God for the consolation. What is the consolation? Well, it's the... It's a huge word. But in short, it's making everything right again the world, the new heaven, the new earth. That's what he was waiting for. It was huge what he was waiting for. And in his mind, it started not when Jesus came back, but when Jesus got born. So it's, it's happening right now, the renewal of all things. Crazy, right? Let's move on to Anna. I'd love to stay with Simeon, but let's move on to Anna. You think, oh, that guy Simeon, he's amazing. What about Anna? Are you kidding me? This is my favorite woman in the Bible. Straight up. Favorite woman in the Bible. We wanted to have a daughter, and we were going to call her Anna. We just love the name, but we love the woman. Okay? Let's read about this woman. This radical woman. I hate that scripture doesn't tell us what the woman said. It just said it spoke about the child. I've got an attitude at Luke for not telling me 
what was spoken about. Mary remembered. Why didn't you tell me what she said? Okay, enough of that. Verse 36. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Peniel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. Amen? She also lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. We can just end right there and go, wow, she's still faithful. That's awesome. That's hard. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment. So Simeon's got him in the hands. She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law, they returned to Galilee, to their town in Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. So Simeon was moved by the Spirit. Anna worshipped and lived in the present. Now what are you talking about, living in the present? What do you mean? Think about this. You're married. I'm married to Danielle. For seven years, back then, when men weren't really the only ones that were allowed to have a, a, a job. And so you're instantly unemployed, without money, without income. And you wore black for a reason. You know, in Albania, it was interesting. There was a ton of people, a ton of old ladies in black. And they wore black every day. Not a, pretty easy to find your garb for the day. Because it was the same one. Black. Because you were, you were saying, I, I'm a widow. I'm mourning, still. I'm like, wow, that's intense. These ladies, it's funny, they all look like uh, Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa was Albanian. And so they all had that wrinkly, cute face, you know. And they all walked around in black and their heads were covered. And it was like, whoa, it's Mother Teresa everywhere. <laughs> you know? But this is how they, they lived. And so I kind of got to see, like, what is this woman like? What, what, is, what is she like? Well, this is challenging stuff. You know, so if we did some math, she was born, uh, you know, 84 years ago. Actually, other versions say she was a widow for 84 years. What? That makes her, like, 104, possibly. It says, you know, she was very old. Very old. Was she 104? I don't know. Here's another question. She worshipped and fasted and she lived long. Interesting. That's just an interesting thing. That fasting is beneficial to your health and worshipping God is very beneficial to your health. Interesting. Most of the people that lived longer in life worship God. There's something about worshipping God that makes you healthier. Yeah. Interesting. So, amen. Christians should be the healthiest. But let's say that 55 years, conservatively, 65 years possibly, she was a widow. What was her life like? She never left a temple. Wow. She worshipped and prayed and fasted. And the, the Bible says she was a prophet. That's an interesting thing, right? Just labeled her as a prophet. Well, prophets can't be only, you know, men. Well... Not really. This woman was a prophet. Now, she was submissive. She was just as submissive as any woman on the whole earth. 
even more submissive. She was gentle. She was loving. She, she didn't try to take control. In fact, she was the most submissive probably out there. But she was a prophet nonetheless. And she spoke about this child. You know, just an ending here, guys. You can't worship without living in the present. And even as we think about 2019, one of the things that hits me, stops me from worshiping, is I'm thinking about the future. Yeah. Oh, what about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? Worship, you have to just be here right now. There's a power of just being here right now. You can't have troubles if you live in the present. Am I in trouble right now? Are you in trouble right now? No. Right now, you're not. There's no trouble in your life right now. You're not in trouble. You're not going to have trouble if you live now. Trouble is a future thing. And what about living in the past? She could have lived in the past. Couldn't she have? Why did God take away my husband? Why did God take... She could have asked herself that question until the day she died. There are many widows that never get out of the past. Past, the past. And she had a lot of troubles in the future, right? Where am I going to eat? Well, she was like, guess what? I guess I'll fast today. And she received so much blessing from that. And I want us to think about two scriptures. These two scriptures, write them down. It's been making me think, this is just something I've been thinking about, living in the present. You know, I, I'm not productive in the Lord when I'm in the past or the future. I've not been productive as much as I could be as a disciple in this church because I've lived in the past and the future. And so have you. We live in the past. We live in the future. We go back and forth. Boom, boom, boom. What's it say? Whoever puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. We can look back, can't we? I wish that person didn't do that. I wish this didn't happen. I wish that didn't happen. Right? We can live in the past. We can beat ourselves up for our sins. That doesn't help anyone. That doesn't make you fit for the kingdom of God. You can't plow like this. Can you? You can't plow. And to really serve God fully, you have to be present to reach the things you want, to have the best year of your life, to have fresh vision, you have to be in the present. Amen. And worshiping is the first exercise in doing that. Amen. You have to be here right now. Amen? Amen? But that can stop me, the past. Wow, you know, I wish I had this many more resources. Blah, 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 blah. I can, yeah, you have a, 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 a past, you know, I don't know, little tape that you play. You guys know what a tape is, but, but an audio thing you play in your mind. The past, the past, the past, right? This woman could have done that. Anna could have done that, but she didn't. She worshipped day and night fasting. Amen? Day and night. Interesting. Day and night. Day and night. She worshipped and fasted and prayed. This one's the future. Do not worry, Jesus said, about tomorrow. But tomorrow will worry about it itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That's an amen, right? But that's also future. We can live in the future. I'm someone who lives too much in the future. 
You know, I, I love the, the movie Back to the Future, right? It's a great movie. But I can't be living it. That was a crazy movie, by the way. His mother almost kissed him. It's not a good movie. That'd be mad weird. Go back in time. Go in the future. Things got messed up, didn't it? When he went in the future and went in the past. He, he, he's messing everything up. It worked out in the end, but it wasn't good. You know, his, his family was disappearing. Interesting. We can, we can be living in the future too much. We don't appreciate our family now and enjoy what we have now. We can think about the future too much. Think about the past too much. So I want you to think about this as we end here, guys. Anna was an amazing woman. There's so much to be said about her. I'm not giving her justice today. I'm sorry. But she's a woman who worshiped God and lived in the present, unlike anyone else I've ever seen. And because of that, she was a prophet. Who do you know who are widows, who are prophets? She's the only one. In the Bible, it says, oh, we got to take care of the widows. Oh, these weak-willed women. we got to make sure they're okay. This woman was like, I'm okay. You know where to find me. I'll be at the temple. She was a strong woman. For 70-something years, 60-something years, she was worshiping God. And she saw the, the, the Christ child. And she was moved to speak because she worshiped and lived in the present. Be still and know that I'm God. That's how we're in the present. Be still and know that I'm God. Be right here, right now. So what I'd like us to do is just take, grab someone next to you, and just for a little bit, we're going to say a prayer. Five minutes. doesn't have to be long. But grab someone you feel comfortable with praying with and just talk about what moves you today during this time. Amen? So we're going to have a time of prayer now.